This week on Go Chuck Yourself, dun, we're talking dun, about dun, Chuck dun, versus dun, the dun, Seduction dun, Impossible. That's right. Let's go chuck yourself. That was uh, that was impressive, uh, Aaron. What you just did there. You have uh, you ever think about joining an acapella group? Oh wow! Yes, um, I have many times. Uh, my it's, name uh, is. It's an old wound. <laughs> oh, sorry. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. I um, you... I actually auditioned for pentatonics. Oh, for pentatonics. Yeah, it was gonna be um, what's what's six centatonics. <laughs> sex 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 isn't it tonics, yeah so sex tonics. it was gonna be a little bit of a different like sound a couple of different music choices if i was in the group but unfortunately uh-huh. um lenny big j karen they kicked me out i will take your word for it that those are real names <laughs> of people even though they sounded very fake uh my name is chris gillespie that's my real name i'm a real person my name is Aaron arada their names oh Kristen is the girl which is Close to what I said. Uh-huh. Um, Mitch, Scott, Av- Av- Avi, um, and Kevin and Matt. So you did make up those names. That yeah, I did make right. up those names. I didn't. I don't know oh. Pentatonix's names. I'm glad you believed me, though. Well, you said it very confidently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of pentatonics, make sure you check out our episode "Go with the Star <laughs> Yourself." Uh, did I am I? Uh, my name is Aaron Arada. I didn't introduce myself, but I'm here. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for showing up, Aaron, <laughs> and uh, being so good at acapella music. Um, this week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 14, Chuck versus the Seduction Impossible. It is a little bit of a follow-up to a, a Season 2 episode, which I believe is Chuck versus the Seduction. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's a little bit of uh, following that, that plot line. Uh, we are revisiting some characters from that. And so because we're throwing it back to season two, I also wanted to throw it back in another way with something that I recently unearthed. Um, I would like to take to take it back to 2008. Um, it might actually be. Um, this is the. Yeah, so I this is actually from January 4th, 2008. So it's from uh, this around this time of year. Uh, okay. Quite a number of years ago. I'll share my screen with you, Aaron, so you can see this at the same time. Listener, okay. I will I will read it out to you so you can hear what I'm talking about. I'm very um, nervous. But what I am referring to is the review that I left for Chuck on iTunes. Oh my God. Chuck season one. <laughs> How uh, did you find this? So recently I was um I guess modifying my iTunes account because I was leaving a review for um, a podcast hosted by uh, my friend Andy Stalker, fan of the show, fan of Go Chuck Yourself. Hey, Andy. Thanks for listening. Hi, Andy. Um, His podcast is Temple of the False Pod. It's a podcast about Magic the Gathering. Um, Oh, great name. so I was leaving him a review, and apparently you can review or you can see all of the reviews that you've ever written on iTunes. And I don't usually <laughs> leave reviews, 
but uh-huh. apparently I felt very strongly. This was literally the only review I had on my iTunes account was well, for Chuck season it, one. Yes, you use some very strong language. So why don't <laughs> why don't you read it to us, Chris? Okay, so this is a five star review. Um, the subject line of this review from January fourth, two thousand eight, is best show of two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand five. 2004, 2003, 2002, 2001, 2000, and the whole 20th century. That's, well, that says it all, but you have more to say. (laughs) Then I proceed to say, this show is amazing, all capital letters, exclamation point. (laughs) I watched the pilot when it premiered just to see what it was like. I was shocked at how good it was. The pilot left me wanting more. Pilot is capitalized. Like, I'm referring to a man named the pilot. The pilot left me wanting more and more and more. That's all all capitals. And I watched every other episode. The show is great and would be a horrible loss. Sorry, a horrible loss if the writer's strike continues. This show rocks, all capital letters, three exclamation points, Chuck is the man, all capitals, uh, two exclamation points. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is beautiful. This is a work of art. This has apparently just been sitting on iTunes uh, for the past, uh, God, uh, how many years? 2008, what year is it now? 2021? I don't I don't know. Um, You're probably the reason years? a lot of people watch Chuck. I probably was, because I hyped it up to say that it was the best show of I don't know what made me qualified to say that Chuck was the best show of 2002 because um, it was on the air. It would almost make more sense if I took more of a forward looking approach to it and said this is the best show of, you know, 2020 because that's obviously a show that I'm watching. Uh, so, in OK, the so future. How, how old would you have been when you were in, you wrote this? 15? Uh, I would have been. I would be turning 15 in March, so I would okay. have been 14, yeah. All right. If you if you wrote this when you were 16, I would have some questions, but that sounds right about the right age to write something like this. It was very enthusiastic. Uh, I think the subtext here is like, yes, this man will someday grow up to uh, co-host a podcast about Chuck. Absolutely. I was, I was gobsmacked to see that just pop up on my, here's your iTunes reviews, <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Um, so, well, yeah. it's great fodder for a uh, go check yourself <laughs> intro. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. I am always, you know, always surprised to find the uh, these relics of my Chuck <laughs> fandom going back then. I, I know. I'm no... surprised, too. Like, I shouldn't be considering we're hosting this together. But um, it is shocking to remember how important it was to you. <laughs> I... I want to say, and I have no way of proving this, but I feel like I may have wrote about Chuck in my SAT writing, like, essay. <laughs> like, the, the written part of the SATs, I feel like... I know I definitely wrote about Spider-Man, and... Do you think... Uh, this is this is a completely different train of thought, but do you think that they have those somewhere? Like, our SAT stuff? Like, the is SAT? Saved, or do you think it just was, like, incinerated? <laughs> they just burn it all immediately? I have no idea. That's like a good my, question. My my AP DBQs are they like are they still in like a a warehouse somewhere? Could <laughs> I find them if I wanted to? I was super proud of my my uh, AP history written response answers. Uh-huh. I think I really hit it out of the park with that. Yeah. I think I'm sure um, you did. I think I did okay on the English one too. Spanish, 
did not do well. Okay, so let's talk about our AP scores. What did <laughs> what were your scores? I got fours on English and mm-hmm. U.S. history, and then I got a two in Spanish. Okay, I never tried any of the language ones because um, I I uh, I have too much self respect for that. So I um, I got a four on history and I got a five on English. Ugh, you're the worst. I know. I don't, don't want to do this episode anymore. I know. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Aaron's essay was probably beautiful. It probably made the whoever's reviewing it cry. <laughs> probably. Like, oh did, my yeah. god, this is so this is so poignant and meaningful. Yeah, so uh, they, they probably did save mine. Mine is probably in a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> they probably framed yours. It's probably on the halls <laughs> of the, the AP administration's building. They probably have to walk by it like it's probably in the main foyer. So whenever anyone enters, they have to like kind of, you know, kiss their fingers and Okay, good. Pay hey, homage um, to your essay. <laughs> okay, so hopefully uh, when Go Check Yourself takes off and I'm a household name, we'll we'll hear about um, that my essay is available somewhere. Wait, are you saying that Go Check Yourself hasn't taken off yet? Oh, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I'm starting to... You're right, I'm you're right. That- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I take it back. We have taken off. We are both household names. Barack Obama is about to list us on his best of 2020. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I would be surprised if he listened to this. I would think that would be a huge waste of time and <laughs> arguably beneath him. But Well, you know, you've done some Barack Obama impressions, so maybe he just likes to keep abreast of those. <laughs> he just wants to keep an eye on everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so he can, just in case any, like anyone's becoming too much like him and he has to fend off the imposters. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Uh, well, let's take it back to the show that started it all. The show that launched a thousand iTunes reviews and what some expert critics consider the best show of 2003. <laughs> Chuck, uh, specifically Chuck versus the seduction. Impossible. So we open on what is billed as Marrakesh, Morocco, but actually looks more like the inside of a cheesecake factory. <laughs> It looks more like the inside of a cheesecake factory than in the Big Bang Theory when they're in the cheesecake factory. And that <laughs> yes. that set does not look like a cheesecake factory. <laughs> yeah. It is it aggressive. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's aggressive how much it does or how little <laughs> it doesn't. It just looks like a diner. They shouldn't yeah. be able to call that the cheesecake factory. <laughs> it's one of the many reasons I hate the Big Bang Theory. You have very strong feelings on the cheesecake factory. To that I say Bazinga? Question mark. <laughs> So who should be there but super spy Rowan Montgomery from season two looking dapper in a white suit and black bow tie. He's leaving a voicemail for someone, apologizing for not being there with them, but telling them that he misses them. It's a little mysterious, but he makes his way over to a beautiful woman at the bar. She asks him to impress her and he pulls out a counterfeit hundred dollar bill saying he's looking for the person who made it. Suddenly, two more beautiful women show up. One, I guess, tases him, and he falls to the ground as the women coo over him. This transitions into everyone cooing over baby Clara. The spies in the room, mainly Mary, are handling the days after Clara's birth with spy-like efficiency, including poop Excel spreadsheets and bomb-diffusing techniques when Clara starts to cry. Morgan uses all this commotion to pull Casey aside and say that he'd like to talk about something related to Clara's birth. Casey is suddenly on the defensive until Morgan assures him that Alex isn't pregnant. No, Morgan (laughs) is planning to meet Alex's mom, and he feels uncomfortable lying about the fact that Casey is still alive. 
He asked Casey to reveal his status as a living man, preferably as soon as possible, since Morgan has a dinner planned. Meanwhile, Alex, Mary, Devin, and Ellie start interrogating Chuck and Sarah on their wedding plans. They ask about colors and catering and flower girls, which yields the hilarious line from Devin, something old, something new, something borrowed, something beige. I really just... That tickled my funny bone. <laughs> All of this culminates in Sarah, Chuck, and Casey basically backed into a corner. They decide that they need a new mission stat. After the credits, they call Beckman, catching her unaware at her desk with a bottle and a drink in hand. They ask if there are any missions they can take, so help us God. And she says there is one, but it would be off the books. It's rescuing Roan from Fatima Tazi, a Moroccan crime lord who's famous for her female soldiers. Once Beckman's off the call, Sarah and Casey explain that Beckman is all hot and bothered because she and Roan have a romantic history. Meanwhile, in Morocco, Roan is tied up. He talks his way out of a dangerous situation by offering to be Fatima's head of distribution. She asks why she'd trust a CIA pig, and he says, because rolling around in the mud can be so much fun. He also, like, she leans in and he, like, smells her breath, and it was, like, I don't, it was really gross. It made me really uncomfortable. As Sarah and Chuck are packing for the mission, Sarah brings up all the stress that's being put on them by Chuck's family. She asks Chuck if he would think about eloping instead. Chuck seems, like, sort of into it at the moment, but as is rather typical, we cut to a conversation with Morgan in the Bymore, where Chuck is decidedly not into it. Neither is Morgan, for that matter, since it means he couldn't be Chuck's best man. Morgan advises Chuck to put his foot down with Sarah and start saying no to things. Chuck is a little hesitant to do this. Also, I wanted to point out, I okay, so I've never seen Lawrence of Arabia, but what seems to be Lawrence of Arabia is playing on a loop on the screens behind them. It's just like the same scene over and over every time we cut to a shot where you can see the TVs. Also, I'm mm -hmm. sure you noticed this, but there's like a shot of like, I don't know if they're classic iPods, but like very early generation iPods. Yeah, they were um, the those are some kind of like iPod Nano, right? That was like when they incorporated the video element into the yes, iPod yeah. Nano. They I don't think it cool was colors. the it wasn't the iPod video, but it was like it was like a chunky iPod Nano. So yeah, right. I think you're right. Maybe like a second, third generation iPod Nano. You're right. I did uh, notice that, and I did get <laughs> very excited. I just am yeah. uh, I'm a sucker for those those little guys. <laughs> So later, when they're breaking into Fatima's compound, Sarah asks Chuck if he wants any water, and he tries out saying no. It doesn't really stick, though, because he's thirsty. They manage to get into an area that looks strangely like Chuck's own courtyard, but with belly dancers. Sarah makes a point of saying that she won't be dressing up as a belly dancer at any point during this mission, and then she brings up eloping again. The three of them sneak into a tent to change into fancy dresses and track Roan to a room upstairs. Chuck flashes on a Saudi oil tycoon in the crowd, but they agree to focus on the mission at hand instead. They trank two female soldiers guarding a door, then rush in to find Roan, tied up and blindfolded, on the bed? He says, hello, my sweet, did you bring the oils? <laughs> they pull off his blindfold, and he's surprised to see not Fatima, but Team Bartowski. He asks who sent them, and they tell him Beckman, which makes him a little bit surprised. Unfortunately, right then, Fatima returns, so Chuck and Sarah hide in the curtains, and Casey hides under the bed, so Roan's cover isn't blown. We briefly head back to the Bymore, where Morgan says he's excited to meet Alex's mom, but he has a surprise for her, too. He tells Alex his plan about having Casey reach out to Kathleen and tell her she's alive, but Alex is not impressed. She says she's been keeping Casey's life a secret for a reason, 
Her mom is finally happy, presumably in a new relationship, and telling her Casey is alive might ruin that. Morgan apologizes. It was uh, some pretty uh, pretty heavy stuff. You, uh, pretty heavy, yeah. You think you'd be like, oh, everyone's going to be all happy because Casey's going to be back. And Alex is like, nope. Nope. My mom cannot emotionally handle her dead husband coming back to life. I mean, that's fair. I, I probably wouldn't be able to handle that either. Yeah, no, I don't think you would. <laughs> Thanks for your support. <laughs> back in Morocco, Roan and Fatima have started getting busy, and Chuck, Sarah, and Casey remain in hiding. Chuck thinks he's going to sneeze, and Sarah tells him not to. Casey is tired of waiting underneath the oscillating bed and suggests that they just take out Fatima and grab Roan and jump out the window. Sarah is on board with this, but then when she asks Chuck if he's ready, he says no. Chuck puts his foot down and says that he thinks they should at least let Roan finish. Uh, the mission, that is. <laughs> Bro's got to look out for each other, I guess. Uh, Sarah tries to disagree with him, but Chuck says, I said no, woman. At this rate, Chuck will not have to worry about eloping because Sarah is going to murder him. Chuck finally sneezes, knocking down the curtain that he and Sarah were hiding behind. Fatima sees them and calls in her guards to arrest them. Fatima's soldiers take Chuck and Sarah down to the dungeon. Casey's cover remains intact, though, under the bed, and he pages Chuck and Sarah to let them know that he's coming for them. Down in the dungeon, Chuck and Sarah are tied back-to-back, -back, and Roan is tied to the barricades along the wall. Roan comments on how Chuck and Sarah have changed since he first met them all those years ago, and Chuck tells them that they're engaged now, but they're stressed out and having difficulties because of the ball and chain. Sarah takes offense to this, but Chuck points out that there is a literal ball and chain weighing both of them down. I like that. Roan points out that all this tension is because of a bigger issue, and Chuck comes out and admits that he doesn't want to elope. He wants the big family wedding, and that is non-negotiable for him. Sarah says that she understands that, but she doesn't understand why Chuck is allowed to say no to things, but she's not. Roan watches on, bemused. Meanwhile, Casey snakes, sneaks through the fortress and comes across one of Fatima's soldiers guarding the dungeon door. Casey pages Chuck and Sarah to let them know that he's going to seduce his way past the guard. Chuck, Sarah, and Rowan are all adamant that this is a terrible idea and encourage Casey to use violence, but Casey insists that this is the best solution and that he knows how to seduce badass ladies like this. Casey approaches the guard and compliments her gun, her strength, and her muscles. Once he gets close enough, Casey tranquilizes the guard and blows up the door anyway. As the team escapes the dungeon, Casey says that he's going to stay behind and get to the bottom of the counterfeit bill problem. Chuck and Sarah are tasked with bringing Roan back to the States, but Roan says that he's not going. Roan starts to walk away, so Casey tranquilizes him, asks Chuck and Sarah to tell Morgan that he'll be back in a week or two, and dives back into the crawl space leading into the fortress. Back in Castle, Beckman is visiting in person to debrief Roan, and she, Roan, Chuck, and Sarah sit at the conference table. Beckman is pissed and interrogates Roan about Morocco, pointing out that Roan went on the mission without any authorization from her. Beckman is angry because Casey is now over there by himself trying to clean up Roan's mess. Roan says that he'll rescue Casey if there's any issues, but Beckman shoots him down and says that she has a different assignment in mind. Bow chicka wow wow. <laughs> Cut to Roan working at the Biomore service desk with Fernando. Ooh. That's fun. He looks yeah, like I, was, I was excited to see Jesse. He's like training with Fernando. Yeah, that's nice. We think it's nice, but Roan doesn't. He's miserable, and later in the break room, he complains to Chuck about his Buy More uniform. Uh, turns out the green shirt is uh, not comfortable, and the polyester is rubbing his skin the wrong way. Chuck asks Roan why Beckman was so upset with him earlier. Roan explains that it wasn't about Morocco. It was about the night that the Berlin Wall fell. Turns out Roan and Beckman were both there, and they only had moments before Roan left for a new mission. We see Beckman and Roan in Germany, 
Beckman is wearing a blonde wig and kisses Roan. Did you think, okay, did you think it was a wig or did you think it was her real hair? I mean, like, obviously it wasn't real hair, like, in the real world, but did you think they meant it to be, like, she was actually blonde at this point? I think so, probably. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think they were probably trying to draw the parallel between her and Sarah, right? Yeah. Mm. Okay. I didn't think of that, but that makes sense. Which made me kind of excited for Sarah's career in the future, because I was like, maybe, yeah, Sarah could be a general someday. That would be cool. Yeah, hell yeah. So we see Beckman uh, and and Roan and they're kissing. Beckman wants to know what is going to happen with their relationship. We then cut back to the present to see Roan telling Chuck that he told Beckman in the moment that if they were both still alive in 20 years, that they should throw in the towel together and retire from the spy life and live life as a normal couple. Roan tells Chuck that he missed their pre-planned rendezvous because he was in Morocco. Back in Castle, we see Beckman listening to the voicemail Roan left for her at the beginning of the episode. <gasps> Frustrated, Beckman storms off, not noticing when Morgan sneaks in through the back door. Morgan immediately logs into the computer to find Casey. The system patches Morgan into Casey, who is currently hiding inside a wall. Casey doesn't have time to talk to Morgan and tells him that he's decided he's fine with meeting up with Kathleen. Morgan has to break the news to him that Alex doesn't want Casey to meet up with Kathleen, and Casey is taken aback. Casey wants more info about Alex's hangups, but Morgan... um, can't really tell him too much, so he he tries to talk him through his feelings, but Casey hangs up. Back in the Bymore, Roan tells Chuck that he can't envision his life not being a spy, and Chuck says that he can't envision his life without a big family wedding. Roan tells Chuck that the secret to seduction and all persuasion is setting the scene. Roan is specifically alluding to establishing a sense of intimacy, primarily through sex. Chuck says that he doesn't know how to be sexy, and Roan hands him some freshly pressed dress shirts that he was keeping in his locker this whole time and tells Chuck that he needs a suit. Later that night, Chuck returns home. He's dressed up in his new suit. He's uh he's looking good. He's got his uh he's got a nice like pea coat kind of thing going on, yep. trench coat. Mm-hmm. Um he tells Sarah that he made them reservations at a new restaurant, and Sarah says that she'll be right out. She's like in the bedroom or something. And then out of nowhere, the lights of the apartment dim and Moroccan music starts to play. Uh-oh. Sarah comes out dressed as a belly dancer in her attempt Jesus. to out-seduce Chuck's seduction. Sarah apologizes while dancing and makes her case for them getting eloped in her sexiest voice possible. Uh, Chuck um, seems to be close to flashing in his own pants, if you know what I mean. Jesus Christ. Sarah asks him if he wants to elope, and Chuck is about to say yes, but then he snaps out of it and realizes what Sarah is doing. He calls her out for using Roan's method of persuasion, and she calls him out for attempting to do the same to her, but less effectively. There's an awkward moment, and then Sarah's phone rings with a text from Beckman. She wants them in Castle ASAP. So Chuck dresses down, and Sarah throws on a turtleneck, and they head to work. I really like the turtleneck. That was nice. In Castle, Beckman, Chuck, and Sarah talk to Casey over the video call. He's still inside the wall and tells them that Fatima is currently meeting with her financial backers. Casey threads a tiny, like, camera through a hole in the wall so Beckman can see. It's, like, the kind of camera that, like, if you're having a uh, surgical operation performed on Uh you that the doctors would use. Mm -hmm. Um, We see that Fatima was meeting with the Saudi oil tycoon from the beginning of the episode. He's upset because he feels that Fatima hasn't delivered on his investment yet and wants to know what she's doing and if the super counterfeit bills are even real. Fatima assures them that she was able to print more money than anyone thought possible. One trillion (gasps) dollars. The oil tycoon points out that this is a bad thing because it will uh, drive down the strength of the U.S. dollar in the international marketplace. 
This, he says, was not their plan. Fatima says that it may not have been part of his plan and then exits the room, signaling to her guards to mow down all of the oil tycoon's men. Sure enough, Fatima's soldiers unleash machine gun fire against all these guys, mowing them all down and narrowly missing Casey, who is hiding in the wall. Casey seems to be okay, but then all of a sudden, part of the ceiling collapses onto him, trapping him inside the wall, trapping his arm like that uh, James Franco movie. Yeah. <laughs> How many hours was it? It was 127. 40, 127. I almost said 47, but I guess that wasn't long enough. Nope. So after hearing this, Chuckster and Beckman are like, uh, what just happened? They check in on Casey and find out he is alive, but trapped under the bearing wall. Beckman says they have to find the location of Fatima's mint, and the only one who could possibly complete such a seduction impossible is Roan. She demands Chuck and Sarah bring him back to Morocco, even though they tell her it would be suicide for him. Perhaps because she's mad at him, Beckman doesn't care and says they should send him anyway. Meanwhile, Mary is telling Clara the story of Sleeping Beauty. Then she drops another story about a spy mission of her past where she was drugged and a um, some mysterious manly spy kissed her with the antidote on his lips. She tries to teach Clara to say mission, and Ellie is looking on it. I thought she was going to be upset about this, but she's not really. She just kind of like smiles and is like, oh, mom. <laughs> Back at Fatima's, Roan climbs a rope to Fatima's bedroom. Before Chuck and Sarah head off to find Casey, he gives them some advice. Remember, you're in love, listen to each other, and never go on a mission angry. We cut to Fatima's room where she finds a, like a black robe or a black suit or something on a chair. She turns to find Roan in his white suit again, pointing a gun at her. He hands the gun to her and says that he isn't there to hurt her, he just had to come back to her. He says, I'm not here as a spy, I'm here because of you, and that he was extracted because of another woman. Fatima's a little intrigued by this and seems kind of engaged to trust him. Meanwhile, Chuck and Sarah are on their own mission to rescue Casey. Chuck makes a little glib kind of comment where he says, all this interpersonal stuff on a mission, it's very unprofessional. And it's, it's kind of a cute moment, because of course, Chuck and Sarah are always having interpersonal stuff on a mission. They even did it this mission. <laughs> One could say it's the entirety of this show <laughs> is a pivotal part of the premise of this program. That was a lot of peas. Did not mean to say that, but... Very alliterative, Chris. Yes, thank you. So as they apologize to one another, Chuck realizes that it was never really about his family. In fact, the reason Sarah wanted to elope was because she was worried about who would walk her down the aisle and who from her family and friends she would invite, since she's not close with her family. Um, she's not in contact with Gary Cole, our good friend, and she doesn't really have very many friends other than Team Bartowski. That kind of made me sad. You don't yeah. think that... I would have thought that Gary Cole, like, she'd be able to reach out to... You. I think he would come to that if she was getting married. I, li I mean, I, I like to think that he would, but maybe he's uh, maybe he's out of, out of touch right now. I guess so. That's just, just a bummer, you know? So Chuck starts lasering Casey out of the wall while Roan is talking to Fatima about what she really wants. She tells a story about how an American conglomerate destroyed her village, so she's planning to flood the market and basically, like, tank capitalism. And I was like, hell yeah! Like, that sounds like a great, like, I mean, it would have, like, if it had happened, it would, like, affect me negatively, but, like, I, I believe that as a motivation. Like, good for her. Fatima is a, like, weirdly fleshed-out Chuck villain. For yeah, okay, only one I was episode. thinking the exact same thing. I'll talk more <laughs> about that later. But yeah, it was like, we understand her motivations. We understand, like, a little bit about her past. She has a name. Like, that's way more than most villains have. Her, her idea is, like, kind of clever and yeah. different. It's, mm -hmm. like, 
kind of um, not just like I want to blow up the world kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, interesting choices being made here. So Rowan deduces from this that the mint was must be in Fatima's hometown. Um, he says the name over his earpiece, and Beckman uses that to um, order an airstrike on the town and just, like, eviscerate it. So that was less, a little <laughs> less good than Fatima's plan. While Chuck and Sarah are trying to break Casey out, the bad girls with guns show up. Another another band name. They could be like a sister act to dangerous women from the dance floor. Ah, throwback. Chuck and Sarah get ready to fight them, but Casey... With one arm trapped and just a, a little hole in the wall in front of him, pulls out his gun and points it and um, kills all the women. Just just mows them down. I I thought I was excited that there was going to be a sexy Sarah showdown, but that is uh, not what happened. It was a um, sort of depressing Casey showdown. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising that. Sarah did not have a one-on-one fight yeah. with Fatima. That's yeah. actually, I didn't think about that until you just brought it up, but that yeah. makes... No, it seems kind of like what they would normally do. Yeah, we haven't had a sexy Sarah showdown in a, no, a little while. No, I know, while. we said that was going to be the thing of season four, and it hasn't happened. <sighs> oh, well, maybe next week. Fatima begins to lose trust in Roan and is pulling her gun on him when his phone rings. She takes the phone and answers it herself, demanding to know who it is, and finds out that it's Beckman. She says that she's going to kill Roan, and Beckman replies, Good, it's about time. I'd just like to say one last thing to him. Fatima pretty reasonably hands the phone back to Roan so that he can hear these last words from Beckman, and Beckman says, Duck. And then she just shoots a fucking bazooka at the room? <laughs> it was very intense. It was like a nice a nice moment for her and Roan's relationship, but for poor Fatima, like I was on her side through all of this. It was a ridiculous over the top moment, yeah. but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it was very it was, funny. It was over the top in the, the best possible way. So Fatima gets thrown against the wall and passes out. Roan is knocked unconscious, but by the time Team Bartowski grab him, he's fine. We cut to a scene between Beckman and Roan in a Moroccan bar. They meet, and he's about to give her his speech about how he doesn't want to settle down, when Beckman gives him the exact same speech, but from her perspective. In fact, she doesn't want to settle down either. But, you know, they're they're still gonna fuck tonight, is basically <laughs> the, the consensus. They're like, uh, yeah, we're still gonna meet up and have liaisons, we're just not gonna, like, leave the spy life behind. So, good for them! They know what they want. They're two older people deciding to have a satisfying sexual relationship. We need more of that on TV. Casey heads over to Kathleen's. I don't know if he was planning to, like, tell her anyway or if he just wanted to, like, see her one last time. But he sees um, Morgan and Alex's dinner night where Morgan and Alex are together and then Kathleen and some other dude are um, getting into a car. I wasn't sure if the actor who played Kathleen's beau looked like, I don't know what his name is, but one of the actors on Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of looked like that guy. Did you, did you think this, too? Did you, do you know who I'm talking about? I do not know who you're talking about. I am going to look up who I'm talking about so I can say his name. Um, I'm sure it was not him, but it looked like... I'm not talking about Andy Samberg. It would be really funny if I was. Um, <laughs> Joe Lo Truglio? That guy? The guy with the short hair? I mean... <laughs> I guess. Sorry, that wasn't a help. A help <laughs> no, not really. He does have short hair. I'm going to look up if he was in Chuck. Let's see. 
Um, nope, no, not in Chuck. So, okay, so it wasn't him, but it looked like him. Um, and Casey is kind of, like, satisfied by this. He decides not to confront Kathleen at all. Meanwhile, Ellie and Mary convene over a bottle in the kitchen. Not a bottle of wine, a baby bottle. <laughs> Ellie tells Mary that having her here has been great, but it sounds like there's going to be a but. She asks Mary if she really wants to spend her life as a full-time grandma. Ellie is worried because she made Chuck quit the CIA, supposedly, and she doesn't want to make another Bartowski quit something that she loves. Mary says she just wants to make up for her mistakes with Chuck and Ellie with Clara, but Ellie says that's her job. Mary just has to be the best grandma in the world. And I got a little uncomfortable here, honestly, because, of course, I am the best grandma in the world. Right. Um, Mary can be that until I become a grandma, but, like, when I'm when I'm a grandma, she has to, like, she has to quit. Ellie asks about Mary's story, about the agent kissing her awake with an antidote and finds out that it was actually Steven. That was kind of a sweet moment. Um, you mentioned in the last episode that they're really, like, on the back half when Steven is dead. Mary's talking about how much she loved him, <laughs> but it was a sweet moment. Back in their own bedroom, Sarah and Chuck put the eloping conversation to bed. Chuck says that after everything they've handled and all the villains they've arrested, etc., etc., they can handle a family, even Sarah's. And then there's kind of, like, it kind of just ends. Like, there's not really, like, usually there's, like, some indie music or, like, kind of, like, a nice ending dialogue. It just kind of, he's like, we can handle a family, even yours. And then I thought it was going to be, like, Sarah's phone was going to ring and it was going to say, like, mom. And they were going to be like, ooh, but that didn't really happen. It just kind of, like, moved out the window. You don't think that was an ominous note, though? I mean, I guess it was kind of an ominous note. I just thought it could have been ominous or... True. I guess so. I I thought it was kind of implied that Sarah's family is going to be more difficult to wrangle than Chuck thinks. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. The other thing, I was admittedly a little distracted because I was thinking about how uncomfortable Chuck's headboard is. Because it was... It's kind of like there's a shelf behind his bed. There's not really, like, anywhere to, like, I don't, it just looks like it would be really inconvenient because you would be like resting and then you would like whack the picture of him and Sarah at Comic-Con or like a lamp or something. I don't know. I was I was feeling a little weird about his headboard. So that's where I'm at. Chuck also refers to himself as Mr. Sarah Walker at some point. I liked that. Yes, that was nice. Um, so one other thing I wanted to say about this episode that I liked was um, I've I've told you personally off mic that I've been watching the show Quantico and season two takes place at the CIA's The Farm. And that was referenced a lot in this episode by Roan, because apparently he teaches at The Farm. And I feel like if he mentioned that, or if The Farm has been mentioned in previous episodes, I, it has just gone straight over my head. But this episode, I was just like, ah, I know what that is. That's a CIA thing. It's a real thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, not, a, not officially, oh. Chris, but everybody knows about it. Apparently. I Wikipedia'd it. It's like a... Um, non-confirmed government secret that everyone knows about. It's like in Virginia. It's like the CIA training facility. Yeah. They do say in Quantico that CIA agents are only allowed to act um, off of American soil, which is in direct contradiction to the entire plot of Chuck. So I don't know if that's true. Let's see. Can CIA operate? Okay, let's see. Um, There is a domestic wing of the CIA. It's focused on gathering intelligence from foreign nations, but it has performed operations within the United States to achieve its goals. Oh, I don't know. This this episode is probably going to get flagged. Because we're just uncovering too many CIA secrets. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to um, we're going to probably get taken to the farm. 
So it's also a some kind of uh, containment facility. I mean, I don't think so, but it might be. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, before we get taken away by the CIA, Erin uh, is just uh, her lips are sealed. <laughs> um, I hope she'll open her lips once more for Chuck Mary Kill and tell us what she would like to marry this episode and what she would like to kill this episode. Okay. So for my Mary, oh sorry, zip. So for my Mary, um, I'm going to say Fatima and um, her motivation specifically, but I really just liked her as a character. I thought she was unusually well-developed for a Chuck villain. I liked the idea that there's just like this woman collecting female soldiers. It's kind of like the Amazons in Wonder Woman or like mm. it's kind of cool. Um, her motivation, as I said, I just really liked. I thought it was good and her plan was good. Um, but I do, since I'm obsessed with wigs, I do want to highlight Beckman's wig. I thought that it was not only funny, but also like looked pretty good on her. Yeah. Yep. Okay. She was, what about uh, you? It seems like the eighties were, uh, or the I guess the late eighties, early nineties were a good time for for Beckman. Eighty nine was when that was taking place. So with Fatima, I feel like the because the idea of like a whole a whole woman army, I feel like is a uh-huh. is a cool idea. But I think I feel uh-huh. like it's kind of it's always tricky because then it's like when you have violence against women even uh-huh. when they're mm-hmm. soldiers it feels kind of mm-hmm. strange so like That's when fair. casey mows down the female soldiers yeah. mm-hmm. then it's like oh but then yeah. like i mean what do you think like is it should i feel nothing about these women being mowed down because i'm like they're i would feel nothing about men getting mowed down well it's like then you have to get into like the idea of like militaries and like violence at all is like a problem so it's just like a lot of questions. Um, I think that for me, it suffices to just be like, oh, that's kind of cool that she has that. And then like, not, not engage with the rest of it. Uh, Um, But I did also feel uncomfortable like when I like I would have felt it would have felt exploitative if like also if Sarah had a sexy Sarah showdown. Like, I, I don't know if there's any way to handle like meeting them other than like, just not like just they like escape them without shooting them or like tranking them. Mm-hmm. Um, was the only way that they could get around that, but I think they just decided to like have this cool moment for Casey as opposed to like a cool woman, a cool moment for the woman soldiers. I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. I see what you're saying. They also because like Fatima's soldiers gunned down. It's pretty gratuitous when they gun down the oil tycoon and his men. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what I wanted to say, what I'd like to marry this week is Casey's seduction of the guard. Oh, yeah, um, I really like that, too. I guess specifically everyone's response to Casey wanting to seduce the guard because <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Because um, yeah. it was like, yeah, Casey uh, does not really seem to be someone that would be seductive. So yeah. I thought it was funny that they were actually encouraging violence instead of trying to discourage it. Yes, that's very funny. Um, For my kill... You didn't uh you didn't mention the specific words that Rowan uses when he is talking about um the like using an erotic situation to get what one wants um which is good because the words that he uses are my kill. He uses the phrase specifically the yeses come more easily and the noes disappear. And <laughs> um, not good, not good, Rowan. In fact, very bad. <laughs> I guess my just internal sensors just kind of block <laughs> that out. I mean, thank God. Maybe I sometimes miss things when like I pause to take uh-huh. notes and then I feel like there's a little delay in the audio. But 
um, yeah, that's not <laughs> that good. doesn't sound too good in <laughs> in that context or any context, nope. I suppose. <laughs> um, so my kill was I'm I'm a little disappointed about the whole belly dancer thing because. Uh-huh. I thought it was really funny and clever when Sarah said at the beginning of the episode that she wasn't going to be posing yes. as a belly mm-hmm. dancer. And I appreciated that as like a, a feminist moment. But then uh-huh. when she shows up later in the episode dressed as a belly dancer, although I think it worked for the scene, it was kind of a bummer because it was like the show was saying, you thought we were above this, but we're really not. And yeah. I'm like, I thought the scene was funny and I thought it was like effective because like Chuck is obviously being seduced by um a very beautiful woman very deliberately being very um sensual i guess but i was just like ah i I thought we could have this seems like kind of low-hanging fruit that we could have gone without i agree it was also like the way that sarah was filmed was very like uh sexualized um beyond the fact that she is like trying to be sexual like it wasn't just her movements it was like the camera was like very much panning in on her like hips and everything and also it's just Mm. kind of like appropriative in general um true so yeah there were some problems there i agree with you i really like the line when she was like i'm not gonna be doing that um but yeah i'm taking a moment to think back to when we originally encountered uh roan montgomery in season two thinking about you know the orange orange and you know how we Uh, no longer have the orange orange it's a mm -hmm. bummer but before we had the orange orange, we had the Wienerlicious, and the proprietor of that fine restaurant was Sarah, but also another man, and his name was Scooter. <laughs> oh, Scooter! He was he was very not on board with uh, Sarah's sexuality. He probably would be very uncomfortable to see Sarah dressed as a belly dancer because he was always trying to shut any kind of remote romantic connection between Chuck and Sarah down. So in his memory, we have the Scooter scale, <laughs> where we. We give this episode or each episode a certain number of corn dogs on a scale of zero to five based on how much we enjoy this episode. Aaron, how many corn dogs would you like to give this episode? So I'm going to give this episode a four. I generally enjoyed it. I thought that um, I don't know off the top of my head my score for the um, initial appearance of Roan, but I remember finding him a little bit less than charming, a little bit obnoxious and annoying. Um, I feel like in this episode, his role as like an aging spy was funny. Um, I thought that he had, other than his line about yeses coming more easily, I thought that his advice was like toned down and like generally either comedic or actually good. I liked the scene between him and Beckman and I actually could have done with a little more of that kind of like flashback thing. Um, I thought that... The Ellie and Mary moment, while, like, a small one, was really sweet, and I liked that um, Ellie is not just going to be, like, impeding everyone's spy life. Um, I liked the moment between Chuck and Sarah. I thought it was sweet to have the realization that, like, Sarah is worried about her family. Like, it was sad, obviously, that she doesn't have family or friends, but um, I thought it was a nice moment. I think there were some issues. I think that there are larger implications of like the belly dancing scene being appropriative and the fact that like Fatima has a very believable issue with the United States, but then she ends up just being like gunned down with a bazooka. And that's not like, it's funny, but it's not really played for like the irony that I feel like it deserves. Um, So I'm going to say it was a good episode, but not a perfect one. I too would like to give this episode four out of five corn dogs. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed this episode. I felt like it was a throwback to the earlier seasons in more ways than one, uh-huh. um, which I appreciated following last week's big climatic um, non-finale finale. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that we got a breather from Volokov and the... And I'm I'm glad that the characters were able to focus on other plots. I think this was a good example of an interesting interpersonal issue between Chuck and Sarah. And I think both of them handled it well. It's kind of funny to think of what Chuck and Sarah's relationship was the first time that Rowan Montgomery was around mm-hmm. and how different it is now. Um, I also appreciated Beckman's larger role this time. I thought it was cool having a Beckman forward episode. Yeah. Giving her stuff to do and giving the chance to uh, lock lips with... Uh, John Larroquette. Mm. Um, we also got to see another side of Casey this week mm-hmm. uh, with his mini arc uh, about Kathleen and his his feelings about that. So overall, I feel like this was a solid, enjoyable episode. I also like Fatima and as yeah. a villain, she was weirdly um, fleshed out and mm-hmm. I guess in many ways sympathetic in yeah. a way that Chuck villains are, are not usually. Mm-hmm. Um, glad to not see Jeffster this week. Kind of need a break <laughs> from them. But I kind of miss Big Mike. I feel like I haven't seen Big Mike in a while. I know. That's a good point. I'm sure he'll come back. Uh, I hope so. Uh, Now, as we wrap things up, we have the lesson of the week where we share what we learned from this episode of Chuck. Aaron, what did you learn from Chuck versus the seduction impossible? Okay, so I'm going to attempt to use a meme format. I don't know if it's really going to work in this auditory medium, but we're going to try it anyway. Okay. Um. Tired, Wonder Woman, 1984. Wired, Beckman and Roan, 1989. Did it work? Funny? Laughing? Are you laughing? Uh, I'm not familiar with that meme, but I'm sure our listeners are probably rolling, rolling the, in their seats. <laughs> rolling on the ground laughing. Uh, Ro- R-O-F-L, as, as it was once described. R-O-F-L-M-A-O. Wow. Wow. Impressive. Very impressive. Um, this week I learned that Chuck can have an episode set in Morocco featuring star-crossed lovers who take different paths and somehow not make constant references to Casablanca. Do you think <laughs> yeah, that was that weird? Is impressive. Don't you like shouldn't have Casablanca been on the um, Buy More screens or something? Did they have a different episode that was Casablanca focused or no? I, they... I, they probably did. Yeah. Um, we've done I think almost 90 episodes where <laughs> they they I I I have remarkable clarity about different episodes like i could uh-huh. probably pinpoint like and name different episodes based off of what happens but uh-huh. uh a lot of them kind of blur together <laughs> yep, not gonna lie enough. um so this episode someday too will blur together and i will forget about this episode and that will be that and we will all die and our bodies will decompose <laughs> and this is like, aaron i'm spiraling spiraling pick it back up oh okay okay <laughs> gotta um... end on a positive note uh, th- this is, uh, this is Aaron Arata. Anything is possible. Chris, you're okay. You're okay. Anything is possible. <laughs> uh, that wasn't good. No, I'm snapped. I'm snapped back to my, my normal vibe okay. based off of cool. how poorly Aaron handled that. A little disappointed. I'm but, sorry. Um, I guess I would just like to conclude by saying that I think Chuck is the best show of 2007, <laughs> but also 2008, 2009. 2010, 
and last but not least, 2021. That was beautiful. Whole, I... I cannot reiterate enough that in my iTunes review, I said that Chuck was the best show of the whole 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> From 1900 to 2000, <laughs> Chuck was not on the air. However, Chuck was well, the best show. To be, to be fair, do you, do you say television show or just show? Uh, show. Just show. Okay. Because, like, for... For a chunk of the early 1900s, there were definitely not television shows, and there were probably not shows unless you start using it in the context of, like, plays. So Chuck could have been the best show at that, like, when there were no other shows. Now, who's to say? Like, what is this thing that's, why are these people in my living room? Why are they in full color? Why, where is the sound coming from? What are, why are they... <laughs> What are all the things that they're using? What kind of store is this? What does the store sell? It sells electronics. What are those? <laughs> Think viewers in the early uh, 20th century would have been very confused by Chuck. But that's just my take now as I'm more seasoned than when I, I first wrote that little review. <laughs> uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to log off to go write some more iTunes reviews that that's I good. will discover in a time capsule in the future. My name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food, um, you know, not unlike Sarah doing her dance, is sexy. And my name is Erin Arata, letting you know that anything, including this seduction, is impossible. I mean, possible. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck the landing. That was good. <laughs> well, we hope to see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.